Hello and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Business Podcast. I'm your host, Tawny Allen, and today I have a special guest, Shannon Celia of Fine and Arts. How are you today? I'm so great. Now that these Santa Ana wins, we see a little end in sight coming. I'll be relieved when we're through this week. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about your business. So you've been in business, what, 15 years, right? Yeah, I've been in this current studio now for a little over three and a half years. And it's perfect because I have my own studio and gallery on one end of the house. And that's just terrific because I can basically wake up rolling here in my pajamas and start working if I want, which has really been the case during our COVID-19 new life that we have. So yeah, but it's a perfect space. I ripped up the flooring when we first moved in. So I have concrete on the floor and like, you don't have to worry about spilling, which I do nonstop. Right. And uh, it's nice because when I do open studios, which now are just one-on-one, you know, by appointment only, um, people can come around the side of the house and right into my back studio door. So that works out really well. That's awesome. And so like, you know, tell me a little bit how this goes. So are, are you painting and then selling paintings? Or are you teaching yep. painting? Yep. I paint and I sell either online at my home gallery or in uh, exhibits. So oh, wow. yeah, I mostly do local juried exhibits here in the Conejo Valley up near where you are in uh, Tor Ventura and um just now really getting starting to get calls from other states and stuff so that's kind of neat I'm gonna have to spread my wings I just got a call the other day to do a public art project up in Oregon and it's I'm really excited about it because it's gonna be artwork that is a mile long I'm not gonna paint a mile long but um I think each artist is being asked to paint like a four foot wide piece wow but how cool is that? So that will be my, I think my fourth public art project. So usually works out to like every other year. Or so, right. And um, yeah, so and how I actually just got asked to do one up at the Chain Allowance Maritime Museum too. So maybe I'll have two this year. How do you get those opportunities coming? Well, like you found me, I think they found me online this time. And then I think... My first one was uh, the Conejo Cottontail Project. I was asked to do that. And then I was doing a series up in Oxnard called Odyssey Through Oxnard. And um, I met someone in town that was doing the hiring for the Utility Box Project. And um, I was like, yes, I'll do one. Actually, it's at 4th and A Street over by the Woolworth Building. Uh-huh. And then the city of Malibu hired me last year to do another utility box. Those things are big. Let me tell you what, you're out there in the elements. So this one's a little bit different. So I'm excited about it. And then the one up at the Maritime Museum, I think is going to be picnic tables. So that's awesome. But mostly I do fine art and work either here in my studio or I paint out in a bell, like in plein air, out with pals. And so, you know, cause like I said, I'm not, I'm not super immersed in the, uh, the art world. So fine art kind of dumb this down a little bit for me. So does that mean something in comparison to someone that just, you know, slaps some paint on a paper, you know, to, tell me about that fine mm-hmm. art. Let's see. Maybe there's plenty of fine artists that slap paint around on paper for sure. But I think it's just 
maybe the difference between creating art that's going to go maybe in a gallery or a museum. Right now I'm coming to the end of a solo 35 piece solo exhibit up at the Santa Paula Art Museum. That's super been amazing. Wow. But you know, I guess some people create art, maybe it's more crafty or maybe people, um, not maybe, definitely people create art for design, you know, like cute napkins or cute whatever we have in your life you know bedspreads or curtains so it's just a matter of maybe what do you create for as an artist versus you know and maybe how people see that art but as you know as everyone knows there's plenty of sort of simplified fine art that you can see in museums all over the world right um and then there's you know really difficult things that take decades to master and you know we know who they are in all the history books what's your vision for your business do you like more selling like the paintings to one person or do you like more being in the museums and having art shows what's kind of your pull it's been a journey and i've probably tried it all from art fairs pop-ups i love you know, being in galleries and being in museums because you don't have to be in that kind of day-to-day hustle, if you will. Right. It's a lot of mental work when you create. So then it, you know, switching hats to being, you know, in a sales environment, it's a totally different part of our brain, I think. And so running a business versus creating work for your business, it's like you have to be two different personalities. Which for many artists is no problem at all. Right. (laughs) But I love the solitude of being at home and creating work in my studio. So wouldn't that be delightful to always have someone else to sell it? That would be great. Right. So do you think think that like as an artist, like most, you know, I feel like that's kind of a common thing, like artists wanting to be in solitude. Like, do you think that is common for most artists wanting to be alone? Like they enjoy being alone and that's why they navigate it? So. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of creatives are introverts and can go out into the world and be around people. For me personally, it's like two, three hours. I'm like, whoa, this is so fun. And then I come home like, oh, so tired. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're drawn to, I don't know. I grew up in small town New England, climbing trees, chasing after my brother, and basically being told, get out and come back at supper time. So wow, to say that my childhood was full of creative adventures would be an understatement. It was just every single day was some kind of, what can we make? Where can we explore? Mm. Oh, this is so funny. I was talking to my brother the other day. We had these raccoon hats. I don't Uh know where they came from. And it seems so weird in this day and age, right? To like, why was that so fun? But we were just out there, you know, thinking we were frontier people. I don't know. But I was the other day, I I found this and I was sketching tails, (laughs) like different kinds of tails like everything from cat tails to rattler tails and I started sketching this and I called it 
tale of tales. Tale and I was tale. like, okay, I'm on some weird tangent today. I got to get back to my real work. But yeah. that's what happens. It's like, I never, I don't think I've been bored a day in my life, not a minute in my life, because there's always so many other things I want to create and explore. So yeah, back to your original question of like fine art, it's probably a matter of opinion. Probably a lot of what you think you do, what other people interpret that you do. As part of the Santa Paula exhibit, it's called Santa Paula Sojourn. And it's actually, it's going to come down from the back gallery, but they just told me they're going to hang some of the pieces that didn't sell upstairs they have a really cool space upstairs to prolong the exhibit some more because of the whole closures and right. that was uh, heartbreaking for so many people yeah um, because not everyone could go right. but they have just the most amazing staff at that museum and one of the gals Meg Phelps is part of the building next to the main um, museum which is called the Jeanette Cole Center for the Arts and she did these two museum minutes on two of my pieces and listening to her talk about my work in such depth I learned something I'm like oh right. yeah okay and I think that watching things like that, you can see them online. I think their website is santapolaartmuseum.org. Mm. And you can look for their museum minutes on several exhibits, including mine. And just listening to someone else dissect artwork, I find it fascinating. Right. And I was like, wow, it really is, you know, like beauty is in the eye of the holder, right? And just after I saw the first one, I was like, Meg, I love you so much. How did you do that? And she's yeah. like, I'm going to do another one. And she did. So well, check it, that out. Yeah, we will. And, you know, kind of going into, you know, beauties in the eye of the beholder. So has that ever impacted you as an artist? Because, you know, a lot of it really is all up to the person looking at it, you know you could paint a picture and put a string on it and they're like, this is a beautiful masterpiece versus somebody that is really technique driven and, you know, colors the whole thing. So has that ever impacted you as an artist where you feel that you've really done this beautiful masterpiece and maybe somebody that kind of just didn't have that same level mm -hmm. of expertise, right? In comparison, mm -hmm. has that ever impacted you? Oh, definitely. And you're making me think of two specific instances. One was really early in my career when I was, I was gallery sitting up at the cutest space that the BAA, um, the Buenaventura Art Association used to have over by the sand. And someone walked in, I was like, oh, welcome to the gallery, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'm just looking. I'm like, great. And so I just left her be. And all of a sudden I hear her go, Phew. Boy, that artist sure needs some work. And I was looked over and I was like, oh, what piece do you mean? And she pointed to one of my palm trees, which I think is so hilarious because the piece she was talking about was actually an award winning piece. Wow. And she was so worked up about it. And I, at first I was like, I feel like, oh, that ruffles my feathers. And then I just I laughed. I was like, yeah, well, you know, we're all on our own journey. Yeah. And of course I didn't tell her it was my piece because I didn't want to, I didn't want to get into it. I didn't want to make her feel bad, but 
that was a perfect example of like, hey, what's amazing to somebody might not be to somebody else, but I didn't let it affect me. I still paint palm trees. Yeah, there you go. You know, and then the other time was I, I paint sometimes what I call the gritty with the pretty. And I love that paradox where in particular up in Oxnard, where you have this breathtaking stretch of sand and then a power plant. Yeah. So I painted plenty of power plants and um, oil platforms, oil rigs, whatever. And I, I do get that sometimes. Why would you paint that? Nobody's going to hang that on their wall. And I thought, well, gosh, if we all painted just or created just in hopes of that, there would not be as much variation in subject matter but that was a funny moment and then I had one time I did an art walk and someone walked up to me it was a man and he said oh I thought you were going to be a guy I was like why mm. said, well Shannon could be a guy's name I'm like you're right in fact I think in Ireland it is a man's name and I said why and he said well it's just you paint such he might have even used the word gritty. I don't remember, but it was some version of that. And I'm yeah. like, you're right. I paint gritty with the pretty. Yeah. And that kind of stuck. And I, I've been sort of seeking out these places where humans and nature meet ever since. And, and uh, it, it was funny to hear someone kind of describe, you know, and I was like, I don't know if you like that or not, but I do. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of interesting because when I'm thinking about art, right, I imagine like being in an art gallery and, and everybody's like so typical movie scene, right? Everybody's looking at it and like, what does it mean for you when you're in creation mode? Is there always a meaning behind your paintings, like some deep, profound meaning? Or it's like, I just want to capture this moment. I, it's both. It's definitely both. I mean, there's some times where I'm out driving some back roads or something and I stop the car because the light's hitting something, even if it's just a palm tree just right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, which I say probably, you know, 10 times a week. But then, yeah, other times it's this moment that feels nostalgic that I just I want to keep it and I want to preserve it and so I'll get it on canvas or paper but you know other times it's just yeah like a feeling and you're just like oh you know life is so noisy I need to just go in my studio and work it out is like creating is that like your form of therapy or 100 percent 100 percent yeah yeah well, I asked that, you know, because like when we're talking about the world of business, right? I love marketing and I love, you know, spiritual development and that's not my therapy, right? It's like, so it's kind of interesting that you have a business where it's like, it is your business, but it is directly related to like your form of self-expression and therapy. So that's kind of an interesting perspective to see. It is. And I just, um, you know, you asked me before if I taught and I, I don't teach much often, but sometimes people ask me, can I come over? Can you have a class? Whatever. And I like doing that with kids sometimes too, because they're so free and so inspiring to watch them. But I always say to people, if we have a class and they get frustrated, it's like, oh, I was thinking something and I tried to put it down and it didn't come out how I wanted. You know, how do you do this? And you must be fearless. I'm like, well, if you call not being afraid of making something really ugly or bad, I mean, it's like the 10,000 hours they talk about, you know, you, right. you got to spend a lot of time at an easel if you want to consistently be making 
some things you're proud of, but I always say like, not everyone has to create and be a professional, right? Use it as therapy, you know, no matter what your work is, what your business is, what your family's like, you can create as a form of therapy. And I think it is probably one of the, well, of course I'm biased, but I think (laughs) it's one of the most satisfying ways to Mm -hmm. work through stuff and just make something for yourself. And yeah, yeah, I highly recommend that. There's so, I mean, anything from quilting to sewing, which I am so bad at, it's not (laughs) even funny. I don't think I've ever had a piece of thread anywhere near my hands that didn't get tangled. But there's a reason why people are always talking about creating as joyful. Yeah. I like to, I'm, I'm one of those people, what I'm talking about, where I slap paint and I have paintings all over my house, but they're, yeah, they're not fine art, I'm <laughs> not fine art, all left to interpretation. But you're going into, um, you know, you saying teaching, right? So for you, you've been in this business in this industry for so long. Have you felt that you've hit at any point, like a, a stop, like, all right, this is as good as I'm going to get? Or do you still see yourself developing as an artist? You ask the best question. <laughs> you really do. I am so curious. I am never, ever, ever going to be one of those people that's satisfied and go, oh, hmm. that's it. I can't get better than this. I'm always like, I can do better. Yeah. Always. But that also translates into just as a human being. Mm. You know, I'm always exploring ways of wanting to understand other people. I just celebrated my 29th anniversary. Yay, congratulations. Thank you. And my husband and I are are always working on trying to communicate better. And um, yeah, no, I'm never going to be done. I right. If I don't paint for some reason, like right now, I'm, I'm actually having a lot of asthma trouble. And I feel like there's a connection between the oil paints and that my lungs getting aggravated. So I've been painting more in watercolor. Oh, wow. I'm spending a lot of time in my garden and coming back inside and going back and forth and right. trying to make some magic there Hmm. but no if I'm not in here doing this then maybe I will someday learn how to make a quill I doubt it right but I love them and I admire people who can sew so well I'm even thinking like in you know you know I just paint for fun and as is my own creativity but I, I as like me painting I kind of stick to what I know how to do And I really like, I mean, I'll look at things about, okay, let me try this, but I pretty like all of my paintings have a a certain flavor to them. So for you, do you stay in that same realm where you paint what you know, or, you know, cause you do landscapes, right? And I do landscapes, seascapes, still life. And let me tell you, if someone had told me how useful it is to paint in series and kind of stay in your lane for a long time, so you can really kind of master whatever it is, I think you are one step ahead of the crew. Um, Because I am way too interested in way too many things. And I think that's not helped me as an artist as far as it took me a long time to put together a collection where that I could show that was cohesive. Right. Because I was like, I love everything. Um, (laughs) So yeah, like when people tell me now, oh, wow, I knew that was your painting. It really looked like you. I was like, oh, 
thank you. I finally have some kind of style. Mm. But, you know, I also get that question a lot from people. Like, how do I find my own lane? And, you know, that just takes time. And speaking of finding your own lane, how, how... how did this become, you know, the, the landscapes and seascapes, like how did that become your thing, your lane? I think it's because I always want to be outside. Mm. So I come in my little, my little nest of my studio because, you know, I can control who comes in here and not, but I really think it was just a childhood spent outside. And so I get out there and I'm like, I want to see everything. I notice every little detail. My husband's like, can we just go on a walk? I'm like, there's a cricket, there's a whatever. And it, it kind of drives in bananas because I really, I'm like, what kind of tree is that? You know, what is that grow? Is that, are those berries? Right. It's just like, oh. So I've been on walks with other creatives and photographers and stuff. And, and they're just like, they have to stop every two seconds. Mm. I love being outside. So no doubt that's where that came from. Yeah. I love the water. I, I love flora, fauna, you name it. I want to check it out. Well, and I'm kind of curious, you know, because you like the vibe that you have, like you just seem so bubbly and just so positive and good energy. And, you know, being outside, what I was, when I was listening to you was like, you have inspiration everywhere. Yes. you know, what happens when maybe you're like going through something, a life experience, do you ever have a time where you don't want to paint where you're like, I just can't right now? Does that happen for you? It does. Not very often, just because I never feel pressure to create just to sell. And I do like to try, like you said, you kind of stick to one thing or whatever. And then maybe that's because that's what makes you feel good. Right. But no, I don't have like, I'm a writer too. And and a lot of people get blocked, you know, they get like writer's block. And so I don't ever feel like I have painter's block. I feel like I have the opposite. I have so many thousands of paintings up here that I want to do that I wish it was a little quieter. Right. um, Because I probably would get even more done because I would just like slow down. So I'm I'm working on that this year. And that that just happens with age where, you know, when I was your age, I was like, I'm going to do everything today. Yeah. And then you get older, you're like, "Mm, I'm a little tired. So I do tend to work in series and themes. Mm. And then, yeah, I will take a few weeks off or or a month off, take it off. My husband's like, you're never off. Right. It's because even if I'm not in the studio working on a specific project, I am always thinking about what I want to do when I get back in here. You know, people come at it from different ways. And I'm like, look, we all have our muses and stuff. And I kind of want to dive into this, this stigma that I don't know if it's so much relevant nowadays, but I wanted to kind of bring it up with you because since you're, you're the master of this industry is (laughs) there's been, you know, that, that people can't really make like a career or a financial abundance out of being an artist. What do you think about that? That is just not true. Okay. But I do wish I knew then, like your age, what I know now. Hmm. And there's a a handful of really clever business people that have a lot of helpful material on how to treat your whatever creative venture you want to pursue as a business, like a business. Hmm. And so when I was in college, we just didn't talk about that 
Right. You know, and so now I'm thinking of Ellison Stanfield. She's amazing. What's her book called? I'd Rather Be in the Studio. Um, there's Corey Huff, um, who wrote a book on the business of being an artist. I think anyone who's considering it, any young person or whatever, they should check out those books first because you can lay a lot of foundation and groundwork that will so help you right. stay on track. And so I, I mean, I feel like we live in a very abundant world. I feel like there's plenty of pie for everyone. Yeah. And so I think that's really important no matter what you do to have that kind of glass half full kind of mentality. Right. But you also have to do your homework and it just, it took me years to figure out stuff that now you can just open up their books and go like, oh, why didn't I know that? So I, I do always point people to, if you want to be a professional, anything, go to the professionals and figure out, you know, how to do that. And Super important as a creative, because we get off on all these tangents. Right. And it's like, at the end of the day, if you want to be able to pay the bills doing this, you have to really pay attention. Mm. Well, it's interesting that you're, you're bringing that point up because, you know, one, I'm in the world of marketing and also in the world of spirituality and transformation. Right. And there, let's just talk for like a, in a spiritual context for a moment, like the energies, right. The feminine and the masculine energy. So not saying it's necessarily true, but, you know, artists tend to have that feminine in the moment present energy where I feel like sometimes business owners are very strategic and masculine energy. Do you think that that plays against artists, like them not tapping into masculine strategy, like let's work hard and make this kind of thing? Let's see, how can I phrase this? I don't want to, you know, cause any drama because this is kind of a hot topic you know these days as far as like I believe those two energies together are how God created the world and whatever we tap into it's a compliment mm. right both of those energies but like yeah growing up having an older brother did I hear an awful lot from parents keep your voice down right sit primly or stop being so loud stop being so you talk so much my mother used to say oh my gosh it's nine o'clock in the morning like I'm not ready for you yet mm. ouch yeah right yeah but I also in in many of my colleagues there are a lot of very well off say male artists that have their female companion wife whatever does all the marketing and the business right. and whatever for them whatever for them and we're always my friends and I are like we need a wife that does that right because we a lot of us do both right. and there's only so there's only so much time in the day and so yeah that's another thing I would have really paid attention to is how could I outsource things mm -hmm. that aren't in my wheelhouse that I'm just not good at right. or, or I don't want to take the time to learn right because right. you know it's a huge learning curve yep. to be good at anything but marketing business strategies whatever I'm it's still not like top of my it's not my favorite thing that's for sure right but just like I was saying with those people that wrote those books and whatever that I'm still reading <laughs> um if you could wisely 
have people in your sphere that can help you along your journey, I say take advantage of it. You know, a lot of that is becoming more and more affordable these days. And I was in no way saying that there aren't female artists who's who's a better half, you know, do their marketing and their business for them because there are. I can think of three right off the top of my head. So I didn't mean to offend anybody, but I'm just, I noticed that earlier in my career, how I was like, oh my gosh, I need some help. I wanted to touch on something you said in just about like you being a kid and you know quiet down settle down and it kind of made me think as kids like we're born creative right like we all yeah. are creative human beings and then something happens along the way life yeah, happens does. right and it's like some you know people like you where you're just like you have this such a vibrant personality almost like that child right do you feel that like this could be a healing method for people in general if we let them be creative throughout totally. their life yeah totally in fact I I can't think of so many people that gave up art or music or whatever because someone criticized them. I just think that early criticism is so toxic. Mm. And I'm trying to think who it was. I can't think who it was, but it might have been the gal that wrote a, the book Simple Abundance, which was really popular when I was in my probably my 30s or something. Mm. And she said, always keep a photograph, your favorite photograph of yourself as a little girl where you can see it in your creative space. And I'm looking right behind you at a picture of me sitting on a beach wall that my aunt took. And every time I look at that, I remember that moment Mm. and going to the beach with my grandma every day in the summer and just feeling like all was well with the world. And um, you're right. Tapping into your inner child, if you will, that is the way to stay free. Mm. in the creative process at least for me so yeah I want to be silly and I want to be carefree and fun loving but that's because you know once you get to be my age you have years of sorrow and tragedy and gosh if I could be a light for anybody I would love to be because when I'm down I need that from someone else so yeah you know whatever we get that from music art your best pal dragging you out of your pajamas. I don't know. I'm grateful for being able to still tap into that. Yeah, I love that. Well, and it's interesting, you know, I, I have the Ventura County Business Women Networking Group. And one of the biggest things, the, the real reason that that group exists is because I wanted to do business with real people, right? Not that professional dry cut BS that people are doing all the time, right? And so you mean like most people's social media posts? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but what I wanted to ask you was, you know, on one hand, you're not the typical business owner, right? Like there's just something you're just like who you are. I feel like like you're just showing up as who you really are and bubbly and you know, saying everything and in your joy. And sometimes I have different experiences with business owners that they've kind of compacted themselves into just this box of what they think they should be has that ever worked against you like I guess like the blunt way is like you not being professional does that make sense has that ever come up for you you know not really because I I try to be professional um but I'm not gonna put on a business suit to go talk about an art installation right not that there's anything wrong with that right but I mean, whatever, if you're not comfortable in however you're 
for talking about your work um, and being yourself. I just don't know how you're going to thrive, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I don't know. You're making me think of a, a few things like I've heard from various artists like, oh, I, I don't have a degree in art or I, I don't have my MFA or somehow thinking they're not qualified. And it's like, well, like any pursuit, half, more than half, most of it is life experience that makes you qualified. Mm. right so like for instance the first time I said yes to a public art project I was quaking in my boots I'm like I would love sure I would love to paint a six foot fiberglass rabbit sure yeah yes the answer is yes and then I was like oh my gosh you know I had I had to go pick it up and I needed my friend's help and I mean I'm like five foot two I this thing was huge yeah and I got it home to my studio and I was like okay well now I have to learn how to use acrylic paint so I've never done that before and holy cow this rabbit is curvy it's not flat like a canvas and I had all these moments of like what was I thinking? Yeah. Why do I say yes to things I'm unprepared for? Well, guess what? However many hours later of uh, three, four public art projects, there's nothing like if I get asked to do something, I can calculate pretty quickly the hours involved, hmm. the medium I need to use or whatever. And that's because I've spent hours trying new things. So yeah, yeah you have to be willing to fail. Hmm. And you can't say yes to things like, sure, I would love to repaint the Sistine Chapel. Obviously, we're not going to say yes to that when the master did it. And who wants to hang from scaffolding? Not at my age. But I think it just being professional is, is taking some risks, but also knowing, like, is this feasible? It's okay to take risk and fail, but you have to deliver. Right to the client or the collector or whoever's hiring you. So you have to use your common sense, I guess, is all that to say. Right. Well, right? interesting because what you're what I'm hearing and and I I loved that was that's how you grow and how you get your experience is taking that has that ever been where you said yes to something that you weren't really prepared for and you didn't deliver you weren't able to do it let's see have I ever made someone that crazy angry not really because I think before I would be willing to not deliver I would ask for help from someone Mm. And so that's part of having a fun word these days is tribe, I guess. Part of having a circle of people around you that you can, that are, you know, better than you also, because yeah. you always need, and better, I mean, have different skill sets. Right. Let's call it, let's call it that, because I don't like, I don't like thinking about people being scared to try things because they feel like they're not going now. If you really feel a burning desire to do something mm. um, creatively, there's probably a reason why and you should explore it. Yeah. I hope there's no one walking around going, ah, deliver. <laughs> I hope not because I think I've delivered on everything. Recently, it, there's been two instances where something took me longer mm. than I expected. And that's always, you know, disappointing for me because I am very much like a woman of my word if I say it's going to be done for Christmas it should be done for Christmas however this lovely painting was not done for Christmas oh wow I'm going to deliver it this week but there were kind of crazy reasons why and I had a very understanding collector so 
Woo. Yeah. Well, it is kind of interesting. The reason why I asked you that is, you know, I, I read this, I don't know where, but you know, it said like 90% of our, our worries and concerns about failing are never going to happen anyway. I so, totally agree with that. Yeah. And I, and I love how that kind of like painting the picture is like you, that failure was, even though you were scared about not delivering, it didn't happen because it's not who you are. And it, it paints such an amazing picture for listeners is that, you know, most of our worries and concerns that are going to happen, you would never probably let them happen anyways. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, if you're going to professionally deal with a project, you always want to build in extra time, especially if, you know, you have to consider paint drying time or the delivery of certain materials or whatever. Give yourself a cushion. You know, if you're a creative, things don't always go like you think they're going to go. One time I was, when I was working in Oxnard painting that utility box, the Thomas fire broke out. Right, right. Right? Wow. And I'm like mid box. And um, lucky for me, I had a wonderful pal, my, my buddy Annette Power. I called her. I'm like, hey, wouldn't you love to join me in this exciting project and paint a side of this box, you know? Hmm. And she's like always up for, we've had crazy adventures together. You know, things like that. You can't paint when the smoke and ash is swirling around and you can't, you have asthma and you can't even breathe. Right. Obviously we had to take a couple week break. Right. Right. You know, until the air cleared. There was another time where I painted a massive kind of a mural project and you know thought I was all along the way spot on and when I delivered it the client was like oh it's so nice and I was like what I I know that you're holding back you know and we had to have a discussion by what I thought I heard mm. you know what she said versus what I delivered that right. was the only time something like that had happened to me right but again it's like okay let's deal with this it's just paint I'm going to yeah. fix it. Tell me what you tell me detailed what you're thinking. Right. Because my I want, especially when it's a commission project, I want 100% happy clients. I don't want almost happy clients. Right. So yeah, no, sometimes those surprise you and they, they sting a little bit. And it's just like, I literally had to hang up the phone and, and go, I am a professional. Mm. I am going to get this done. Yeah. Right. Because we're sensitive. Like artists are sensitive. Right? right. Otherwise we probably wouldn't be able to express ourselves in the way that we do. Right. So right. you have to balance that kind of tenderness that you need to keep an open heart with the reality of like, you got to do the job right. And, and I like that you're saying sensitive, you know, because even if someone here is listening, that's not necessarily an artist, you know, there's especially women in business, right? There's so many women now coming to their own businesses and we are sensitive. So, you know, I know we talk a lot about it conceptually about opening our hearts and, and allowing right. both sides, but, you know, kind of like in reality from your experience, you know, how do you, how do you honor for yourself that you are sensitive and you're in kind of in a position where you're getting people's direct feedback about something that's really important to you? How do you yeah. handle that? Hmm. That's a Another great question because I, I personally, I'm a crier. Okay. I will just, I'll Thank burst you. out crying at just the sweet little moments of life. 
Mm. And also just, you know, hearing someone else's trials or whatever. But I remember one time being in a in a business meeting and it was before I decided to paint full time. So I was working actually in marketing for a company and someone deliberately, it was mostly males, mm. I will say, and that's where I learned to be a little bit tough right? Because you just, you can't burst out in tears in the middle of a business meeting. It does not make you look sane. Right. Okay. But someone deliberately threw me under the butts mm. and said, oh, and I went, I went to him specifically for help, like in a mentor. Hey, I need a little mentoring in this. What would you, what do you suggest I would do? He's like, oh, 100% X, Y, Z do this mm. only to find out it was the worst possible advice I could have gotten. Got it. And that moment was revealed in front of 15, 20 executives and people that I answered to. Right. Right. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to lie. My eyes filled with, when I realized what was happening, I was like, oh, you did not do that to me. Oh, yes. Yes, he did. Mm. And to this day, it seemed like just for the sole reason of just yeah. keeping me down, right? And I just thought, wow, once I got over the shock of it, right there and then, by the way, I had to do it because I couldn't just run away. <laughs> right. He gave me the worst advice. Right. You can't do that. Right. Whether you're in a creative field or in banking, you can't do that if you want to, mm. you know, maintain that level of professionalism. So I, I just had my, I just said, excuse me one second, turned around, took a three deep breaths and, and I just owned it. I was like, it seems like I got my wires crossed. I am, mm. I, all I can do is apologize. I am so sorry. This is on me. Right. If you give me 10 minutes, I can, I can think of a couple ways we can go forward right. and I can, you know, whatever it was, repair the damage. And I just did there. And sometimes you just, just be quiet, right? Say you're sorry and offer to fix it, right? right. Take the heat, take responsibility because it, it was my responsibility. I just right. asked the wrong person. <laughs> That was that was a hard lesson. Yeah. That was a hard lesson, but it was if you're not being sensitive, you can't hear what other people are saying, right? Yeah. You have to still you have to be a good listener. Right. But I think our when you're in a position where you, you don't want to fail, right, and you don't want to be overly sensitive, well, sometimes you just look bad right. and you fail, right? I was gonna make a point right then. Oh, it still hurts. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of those moments. <laughs> Sometimes people just throw you under the bus and you're like, I can't, I can't believe my mm -hmm. fellow human treated me like that. Well, believe it. It happens every day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how to wrap it up because I, it was a little traumatic, but I, you know, sometimes you just have to face the music and oops, yeah. I apologize. But I feel like being sensitive as a human in general, whether you're male or female, yeah, is a superpower. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that superpower. I'm not gonna get jaded. Yes, I love that. And you know, this is great because the what I was kind of want to wrap up with is you know kind of one because you're so amazing, this great personality, and then going you're back sweet. to your painting about pretty and, and grimes that we said. Greedy with the pretty girl. 
Yeah. So I want to know, like, I want to know something like grimy, like the gritty stuff. Like, you know, you, you have this beautiful personality, everything that's kind of happened that you've been sharing where, you know, you just, you're just changing it into how can I find the good? I want to know a grime story though. Like when was a time that you couldn't take something and turn it into the good? Because I think this is kind of what we were talking about right before is, you know, even though a lot of listeners can be positive and they are looking at how to how to change, you know, the hard situations to good. It's reality shit happens, right? So right. for who you are and your magic, has there been a time where you couldn't change something bad into the good? And like right then and there and and how yeah, do you come course. back from that? Yeah, of course. And my goodness, I, I can kind of think of two different times. I think the worst mistake we make probably especially as women is not to pause Mm. it's like you get knocked down and my like everybody's personality is different some people get knocked down and they're like I'm staying here for years yeah life is too hard life is hard yeah and and it does take us down a notch or 20 you know a lot right but I think that I allow myself to just be sad Mm. and pause and just feel it you know I didn't do that when I was young and I wish I did but I grew up in a family where and not just a family like it just play a time when it's like oh yeah it didn't work out sorry yeah buck up and you know pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get on with it right and I years ago my daughter a couple years ago my daughter went to London and she knows I love black tea and she brought me back some beautiful tea and it's in a gray tin and I still have it in my kitchen and it says like keep calm and carry on yeah who said that was it Winston Churchill I don't know I look at that all the time because we don't want to keep calm you know life is hard you want to scream and yell and cry and especially lately yeah and I'm like you know what go ahead and sob let's mm-hmm. talk about good therapy yep um have a good cry and sometimes really being alone yep. is the best thing we can do for ourselves it's just like you know it's gonna be okay <laughs> yes you know, pat yourself on the shoulder. I, I just said before that there was, you know, I can think of two times. Yeah, but there were hundreds of times yeah. when things didn't work out. I mean, do you know how exciting it is to have someone ask you to hang a 35-piece solo exhibit at a museum while you're alive? Like mm-hmm. that, that was one of the most beautiful days of my life because I was like, yes, the yes. answer is yes, right? Right. Well, who knew that, you know, a month or two after that, hung, I think it was just a month after it hung up, you know, COVID-19 hit. Right. I'm like, but wait, if the museum's closed, how are people going to see the artwork? Right. And they're like, yeah, Mm. bummer. Yep. And so you could look at it like, I'm so disappointed. Well, own it. Yeah, it's disappointing. Mm. But in the meantime, I think this is a really good, good way to wrap up. In the meantime, those amazing ladies at the museum, thank you, Julie and Jennifer and Meg, they thought of so many cool ways to get this exhibit online, Mm. to get me way out of my comfort zone, doing a demo for the Rotary Club, um, you know, talking, doing one-on-one kind of meetings with people that wanted to ask questions about a particular artwork or piece or whatever. And you know what? 
I showed up and I did that work and pieces sold and like it, it felt miraculous sometimes mm. because you're like you either keep on chugging and try and get creative I mean I know it's funny for people your age but for people my age learning how to zoom I'm like I know how to zoom right <laughs> I had to learn to don't worry <laughs> right I just think that you you know if you're anything like my daughter she can just like oh yeah there's the button where right. I was like where's the button right you know or you're pressing it when you should be clicking it. I don't know. Right. It's a, you know, you grew up with this technology that people of a, <clears throat> of a certain age yeah. have to try a little harder. But I found myself on the other side going, oh my gosh, amazing. It's going to get extended a little bit longer. Mm. I learned all these new skills. I'm doing this podcast with you and I have this like cute little ring light or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> Mm. To you, it might be funny, but to, to my generation, it's like, oh, right. so grateful. I'm still learning. Right? Yeah. You are such an extraordinary human being. Oh my gosh. You're adorable. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, that I'll so, take that it. That is so kind of you to say. And mm. I honestly, if someone somewhere is encouraged in any way, I will be a super happy gal because, mm. you know, when I was young, I was, I was alone a lot and I didn't have a lot of people around me, especially older people around me constantly cheering me on. So yeah. maybe I can cheer someone on. Absolutely. And if people want to connect with you, where can they find you on social media? Um, just my name, Shannon Celia, C-E-L-I-A dot com. Um, Shannon Celia on Instagram, Shannon Celia Fine Art, or just my name on Facebook. I think I have a kind of a more personal one and a business page. Awesome. I'm here. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been thank so you, amazing Tommy. to connect with you. Bye. It was super fun. Thanks for having me. You're welcome.